Blog Talk Radio. Welcome in to Talking Turps, a show which covers University of Maryland basketball and football. Talking Turps is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Terrapins. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations on the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Welcome to Contemporary CT Schwick. Thank you for joining us this April 24th, 2016. If the big voice says you should get the website baltimoresports.com at baltimoresports.com slash baltimoresportsandlife. And you should go on iTunes. We've got the so definitely uh, hit the subscribe button. Give us a little review. Uh, tell a friend. I think that's an important thing uh, amongst those. So, Zach Kiesel, how are you, sir? And uh, looks like we didn't. Uh, Zach, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you. Can you hear me? You're you're breaking up a lot, bud. You got we got some more technical difficulties here. Episode two. Excellent. I can hear you now. Awesome, awesome. Can you hear me? Gosh. I can hear you. You're, you're breaking up a lot, though. Uh, so we're looking right. at, yeah. <laughs> okay. I think maybe now. You're still breaking up a lot. Uh, and this is not good. Um. Uh. Up, still crawling over there. Yeah, yeah, you're still breaking up. Let me like slide over. I don't really know what to do, man. This is it's good. How now, good. Sound good now? Yes, no. Not really. You're still, not. You're not much not really. better. <laughs> All right. Um, I guess I can call into the line. This is great. This is just what our, our listening, our doing listening wants to hear. Um, we, we can edit, but but CT, see, the, the great thing about this is we can edit this out. It's just the people listening live that are that are having this, this moment from us. So yeah. we edit this out. <laughs> I, can, I can hear you loud and clear. Well, that's that's good. And I guess that means that, that our, our people out there listening live can hear me, hear me loud and clear. You're definitely okay. <laughs> Let's uh let's try and press on here and if it really starts again just in the other way. Um I guess the back door rather than the, the direct connection. But how you man? How's how was your week? How are you here saying you I can I can hear you enough to, to tell you ask me how my week was. So my week was my week yeah. was good. Uh it was a it was a good weekend for, for Maryland sports for anybody out there who, who cares about some of the non revenue sports, the Women's lacrosse team got a big win over Michigan. Uh, they remain undefeated. Their talent level is absolutely insane, and they they guaranteed themselves at least part of the Big Ten title. Um, and the baseball team won their series against Purdue this weekend. The softball team 
uh, had had some good games against against Michigan. So it was a good week, good weekend for the non-revenue sports. Some beautiful weather here. Uh, the only bad thing was that the Orioles didn't win their series against the Royals, but you know, not everything mm. can be perfect. That's a that's a pretty good. What's Maryland? I would not have known any, any about that. Any you know what the lemon what cross team doing, what the softball team's doing. You're you're very much in tune with the uh, the pulse of uh, of all the sports teams over there. You know, as the as the president of the Pride, which is the official student fan group of Maryland athletics, that's part of my job, part of my job to keep, you know, to play student athletic director. I feel like Kevin Anderson sometimes always asking people how the softball team's doing, but uh, yeah, it's, it's good. And, and the men's lacrosse team has a big game tonight against Ohio State. It's their whiteout game, which is a big, huge win for them last weekend against Rutgers, which is, that was a top 25 matchup. And then tonight, top 25 matchup against Ohio State. Back-to-back games against, uh, or then, and then they beat Navy last Tuesday night with right. that was a top ten matchup, I think. So, good time to be to be a Maryland sports fan. Helped out probably by the fact that some of the bigger sports aren't playing. You know, the football team loses some games, but some of the non-revenue sports they, they don't know how to lose, especially the women's lacrosse team. You know, undefeated this year and last year, I think they were undefeated at least in Big Ten play. You know, I saw a stat, and I don't know exactly the stat. But Kathy Reese, the head coach of the women's lacrosse team uh, at Maryland, I believe she has only lost one home game in her entire time at Maryland, which has spanned like 15 years. And I could be totally wrong about that, but it's something like she's only lost like one game. So that's absolutely crazy. That's nuts. Good time to good time to be a Maryland Maryland fan. Even if you feel like things aren't going your way, as far as maybe the men's basketball season didn't go your way, maybe football obviously three wins last season didn't go your way. But hey, we got some good non-revenue sports, and they're closing out the year pretty strong. You know, if you if you're looking for a road trip to take, Memorial Day weekend uh, is the in, up in Philadelphia, men's and the women's final four for for lacrosse, and it looks like there's a pretty good chance that both, both of Maryland's teams will be up there. So make a weekend out of it, go see some good lacrosse. Uh, the same thing happened last year. Of course, Maryland's men's team lost to Denver in the national championship game. And the women beat North Carolina in the, in the championship game, won another national championship for women's lacrosse. So that's a, it's going to be a good weekend for Maryland sports. If everything stays the same, as far as those teams keep going. You know, you read my mind because I was, we, you know, you, bring, you brought up lacrosse, and I'm a big fan of, especially when the Final Four is in Baltimore, I, I generally like to go. It's a good time. I really like to tailgate. Um, it's normally a pretty good crowd out there. And I, I, you know, before you even brought up, you know, where it was, I, I was looking up to see if it was in Baltimore. This year. Unfortunately, it's not. But I think you're, uh, you're totally right to say that they will probably uh, both end up there uh, in the final weekend big time taylor cummings fans over here uh don't really know a whole lot about the lacrosse team but she shows up in the maryland commercial uh it's a good spot for her yeah she's absolutely insane and it looks like this year she's going to be probably going to win her third straight twarton award which is the award that's given out to the best uh, player in women's college lacrosse it's absolutely insane that she's she won that as a sophomore. She won it as a junior, and she's playing like the best best player in the country by far again. And she was nominated for an ESPY 
last year. Uh, so right. she, she lost, she, she lost, but, but uh, you know, we, we, he, we at Maryland and, and all at Terp Nation, we fear the Taylor. So hopefully this year uh, <laughs> it's, it's a repeat for her for the Twarton award and, and maybe the ESPY, who knows? Yeah, that would be fantastic. Well, high on lacrosse right now. I think, you know, the meat of the show, obviously more football, basketball talk. And, and to, that, to that end, we're going to have uh, Raphael Johnson on the pod in just a couple minutes. He writes for BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com, but also contributes to uh, basketball talk, uh, fine NBC Sports property. Um, so he's going to hoops with us in a little bit here. I'm in Super Maryland right now. I'm not on a trip this day. I had a single I was with my friend's family to, uh, to Campers, um, had a soft crab sandwich. Now we're here talking to turtles. Um, good times down here on Sunday. Why don't we start off the conference 2018 football recruiting class? Yeah, let's do it. Um, can, so you, can you, Maryland? I, yeah, you're you're having. I can hear you a little bit through the sentences, uh, but Maryland is. I, I was just looking at the rankings, and Maryland's football recruiting class for 2017 is ranked number 31 uh, according to 20, 24/7 Sports. Um, so almost a top 30 class, and that that's mainly due to some of the commitments that that DJ Durkin was able to pick up uh, last week. Uh, obviously, we talked about last week uh, the commitment of Jordan McNair, the four-star offensive tackle out of McDonough. He committed at the spring mm-hmm. game. And then you've also got a guy like Cam Spence, four-star defensive tackle from the IMG Academy. Local kid, but he went down there. Um, he's an absolute beast on the interior of the defensive line. And then rounding it out, uh, as far as four-star guys go, you got Kasim Hill, uh, four-star quarterback out of both Gilman and St. John's. Um, who looks like he's got a chance to be Maryland's quarterback of the future. Uh, of course, we heard that about, about Dwayne Haskins. Hopefully, hopefully this one works out just as well. But the recruiting <laughs> class as it stands uh, looks pretty good. It's not, it's not Ohio State's recruiting class, which is right now number one in the country. But as far as Maryland goes, if they can keep it in that top, top 35 range, they'll be in good shape. Yeah, it's, uh, it's promising to see all of this going down right now because it's very early the 2016 recruiting cycle. A lot of these guys don't really announce until the American teams, uh, like you're, you're going to get a sizable wave of commitment before, um, you know, football season starts. Then, you know, once they're out on the other end of the, the season, you know, that's when they, they start committing again, all the way down to National Signing Day in, in February. So it's, it's a great sign that Jordan already has, you know, three, four-star guys on his, you know, on his commitment list. And, you know, six serious commitments overall. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think, obviously, Kasim Hill, I, you know, every, you, you want the quarterback, but, you know, as I said last week as well, big fan of the uglies on board um, in Jordan McCarron, Cam Spence. And Cam Spence is especially interesting because he's uh, at an IMG Academy in Florida, but he's from, I'm not sure where particular, in particular he's from, but he's a, a Baltimore-ish kind of guy. So it, you know, it goes to to showing, you know, Durkin flexing his Florida recruiting muscles a little bit. Um, but then also, you know, with especially with Kasim Hill and Jordan McNair, you know, he's he's able to uh to dig up these higher rated uh, local guys and, and get them on board. So I think this is 
I mean, these three commits, uh, you know, by themselves in a vacuum, like if, if you're just judging DJ Durkin off these three guys, I think this is, you know, a great little, little sample, a little appetizer to, to what might, might come as we, we get further into, uh, you know, this recruiting cycle. So all good stuff so far. Pretty exciting. Yeah, and I think you saw DJ Durkin's recruiting chops when he first got on the job um, a couple months ago when he, he kind of came in with a half a recruiting class and he had to kind of fill in some spots um, before the 2016, before February, and he did. He went into Florida and grabbed a ton of guys, some three-star guys, um, but he showed that in the, crunch, in, the, in the clutch he can recruit some solid players, and then now he's proving that given time – um, he can look at some of these 2017 guys and get them on board. And you mentioned Cam Spence, how it kind of shows how Durkin can recruit in Florida. Uh, Randy Etzel, um, towards the end of his time at Maryland, uh, was really trying to push the Florida, uh, you know, getting recruits from Florida. Uh, he understood, just like everybody else, there's so much talent down there that maybe slips through the cracks where, where teams like Miami, Florida State, Florida, maybe they aren't recruiting certain guys. It's kind of like Texas. So other schools who aren't necessarily from Florida can pop in there and grab some of those guys while also putting their name out there for some of the bigger guys. So obviously Will Likely uh, came from Belle Glade, Florida. That was one of the first guys that Randy Etzel got. So not only does DJ Durkin have those, uh, those connections down in Florida, but the program already had that, that set in place. So both things really good. And obviously they're going to be able to get some of those really good guys from Florida now that Durkin and his staff are recruiting down there. He's uh, 1-0 as a head coach, and as a coaching friend in their bowl games, so all a good sign. I love that Randy Edsel story of him going to recruit Will Likely, and he got, like, he got lost down there, and he was in, like, the rural part of Florida. Like, Will Likely was one of those guys that, like, chased rabbits growing up, and that's why he's so fast. Like, that's uh, – if you're pulling kids who are – who are growing up rabbit doing something right. Yeah, that story, Randy, if anybody hasn't heard that story, just Google it. Uh, Randy Etzel and Brian Stewart, the, the, who was then the defensive coordinator for Maryland, I'm pretty sure it was the two of them that were down there. And, like, they got in some sort of – they were driving all over the place. They got – it was a crazy story. So, that, that's some of – you know, the recruiting stories are great. And, you know, coaches always have some, some good stuff to tell you, and sometimes it's good, as good as that. <laughs> Totally. Um, I, I don't think I, I definitely don't want to get any, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't really, I wouldn't call myself a recruiting guy. The Baltimore sports and life, they, we've got, we've got a recruiting guy, Andrew Feathers. We'll definitely have to have him to talk about uh, more of this kind of stuff. Um, but I, I, I just, you know, just to throw, throw it out there a little bit. Um, some other prospects lurking in the needs that uh, Durkin's trying to, to close on. And I, I was just looking at the, you know, their target list. It's, it's obviously extensive, but um, you know, I, I, as I've said, you know, now this is the third time I'm in it. Uh, I love defensive linemen and uh, just going down the, the, the target list, um, Joshua Pascal, strong foot side defensive end from uh, good council out, out in only four-star guy, top 10 recruiting state. Um, top 10 uh, at his position nationally, that would be a guy I would, uh, I would keep an eye on um, as we keep heading into the summer. Um, you know, he's, he's being targeted by Ohio State, Kentucky, Oklahoma, Clemson. So, you know, this is, this is the territory that Maryland's now, now training with, with DJ Durkin. And, um, you know, we'll 
would love to to clean. I mean, the, the top 10 Maryland recruits every year, like if you can get like, you know, four to six of those guys, I mean, I, that sounds like a lot now that I'm saying it, but like that should be a pretty good, pretty good baseline circuit and you know, just Maryland pro- program as, as a whole. Um, another guy I'd look at, I've seen some chatter about uh, who seems to really like Maryland, uh, Chase Young, defensive end from DeMassa, four-star guy. Um, Maryland hasn't had the best relationship with DeMath, as we've talked about. Uh, we talked a little bit last week, but um, having him co- commit would also be a nice little addition to this recruiting class. I don't know if you cruise that prospect, Zach, but um, those, are, those are two guys I'm, I'm eyeing up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Chase Young is, is the best player in the state of Maryland, as ranked by 24-7 sports. So that would be an absolutely huge pickup. Uh, number four, he's ranked as a a weak side defensive end, so uh, a pure pass rusher, and he would fit pretty well in that uh, hybrid defensive end linebacker position that DJ Durkin likes so much. So to both guys are, are some defensive ends that, that Maryland would obviously love to have, um, and hopefully um, they saw Yannick Ngakwe last year, um, who looks like he's going to get drafted in the second or third round of the NFL draft this year, and then this year a guy like Jesse Anabonham who's set up for a huge year at the defensive end position. So these are both mm-hmm. guys that, that could be the future of, and you know DJ Durkin loves his defensive guys, and he loves, um, uh, he loves featuring uh, strong pass rushers, which is why he has that hybrid defensive end linebacker position. He, he moves that guy all over the formation. Uh, Anna Bonham is going to have fun with that this year, and one of these guys could have fun with that next, uh, in the years to come if they come to Maryland. Yeah, it's kind of a, I mean, defensive line's been, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm about to say one of the Maryland's stronger positions, you know, as of late, but then I'm starting to think about it. I'm like, oh man, they're get gashed all the time, but they, it, they've produced some, some solid guys, you know, um, what name, uh, Joe Volano, he, he's in the league. Um, you got Aide Francis who's bounced around, uh, Ningakwe, like you said, um, He's definitely going to go be drafted highly uh, this year. I'm trying to I'm, – I'm missing one here. Um, I, think, I, think you hit, I think you hit all the main ones. I mean, Sean Merriman kind of played a, a linebacker right. defense position. Um, he, was, he was a little further back. Um, but, yeah, Volano and Francis are big. But this year for Durkin to be able to push Ngakwe, you know, Volano and Francis – you know, Darius Kilgo, maybe who you're thinking of. He's, he's yes, he knows that is it. with it. Denver. Yeah. So obviously that he's more of a, a bigger, and Gakwe is one of the, the only pass rushers that Maryland has, has put out in a while, probably since Merriman. Um, Cause Volano and Francis and, uh, and Kilgo are all defensive tackles, obviously important, but for these guys, these defensive ends that we've been talking about, Obviously, they're going to want to look to the pass rushers, and Maryland has has Ngakwe, and that that's a guy to really look at. And then this year, Anna Bonham, I think Anna Bonham is going to be a guy just like Ngakwe, who's going to who's really going to make his case for the NFL. I don't know that he leaves early, but I think he's got a good chance to be a really good player for Maryland. All right, let's uh, let's shift gears here. We're going to bring on uh, Raphael Johnson to uh, to talk hoops. Uh, you know, we'll put a little do a little summarizing on the, on Maryland's basketball season and uh, a couple other topics. So um, 
let's uh, let's hit the sound here, and then we'll uh, we'll be back with uh, Raphael. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations on the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Okay, let's welcome to the pod. Raphael Johnson, he is a uh, BSL Terps analyst over on the site, but also works for uh, NBC Sports, College Basketball Talk. You can find him on Twitter at Raphael. Raphael, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, guys. How you doing? Doing well. Thanks for coming on and, uh, and talking turtles with us. I, I want to get your your thoughts on this, uh, this basketball season. I, I feel like, you know, I, I, at this point in time, I'm largely at peace with it. Uh, I know a lot of people are a little bit disgruntled, and I think the coming um, back and forth between fans is, was the season a dis- disappointment? Was it a success? I don't think it was like a raging success, or was it kind of in line with what people should have expected beforehand? What do you, what's your third person, you know, unbiased reporter thought on, on, where, on where fans should stand on this? Yeah. I kind of fall in the middle on that because with all the optimism that there was before the season began and, and rightfully so given the talent, I think as we got into big 10 play, you began to see that some of the pieces didn't actually exactly fit together perfectly. Uh, and I look at the front court as the biggest example of that. Um, Jake Lehman, the guy who was able to force mismatches at the four last season, he had to play the three. Um, which took away some of the advantages that he had. At the four, you had Robert Carr Jr. They tried to use him in the high post, you know, kind of a pick-and-pop type guy. He really didn't develop that perimeter shot that would make teams kind of respect that aspect of his game. And, you know, both he and Diamond Stone, I thought, were more comfortable offensively operating on the low block and 15 feet and then more than anything. Um, then you add in Melo Tremble struggles, especially in conference play. There were some injuries there, but I think I saw him as a point guard. He kind of struggled to find his voice as the leader of this team. You could kind of tell that guys really wanted him to step forward and be that guy. You know, luckily for them, Rashid Suleiman, who had a wealth of experience at Duke, came in and grabbed the, the leadership reins for that group. Um, did a good job there. You know, Melo's more of the quiet lead by example type, but. They needed him to be a little bit more vocal. You know, maybe the injuries had something to do with that. But, you know, I wouldn't call the season an outright disappointment. You know, but I do understand where people are coming from, given the preseason expectations. But, you know, I do think we have to adjust for what we actually saw on the court. So, Sweet 16, not the end of the world either. Great. Raphael, Zach Kiesel here. Thanks for joining us. So, I'm curious to get your thoughts about Mellow Trimble. Um, obviously, you mentioned a little bit about his struggles last year, but what do you think ultimately happens with him as far as the NBA goes? He obviously he hired or he didn't hire an agent. He did declare for the draft, so he's got a month to decide. Um, and I think the rumblings around the program, at least from what I've heard, is that he's probably gone, barring kind of a resounding no from the NBA as far as uh, a first round pick. So if he's and, and I've seen like late first round projections for him. So mm-hmm. what do you think happens ultimately with Mello um, once the NBA draft comes around? 
Yeah, he's in a really tough spot, I think. And the good thing is that he has a month to go through the process in terms of workouts and the combine and everything, as opposed to years past where you had to either go or, or don't go, you know, in early to mid-April. So in that regard, he'll have the opportunity to play in front of some actual decision makers and get good feedback from them. I think he's in a spot where he may end up going just because, as you mentioned, late first round, early second round, that's a really tough spot for guys to be in when it comes to making that final decision. And at a certain point, you, you may just think, you know what, might be better off just going. And he's the biggest question mark for this team going into the offseason, obviously. Uh, Robert Carter is gone, uh, Diamond Stone as well. But if they can get Melo back, I think that really helps with the learning process for Anthony Cowan coming in at the point. But he's in a spot where I really think, you know, as you mentioned with your insider guy, so to speak, I think he's going to be more inclined to, to go pro than he would be to come back for his junior season. That's a tough spot to be in. Uh, you know, I, I yeah. totally get it. I think ultimately he's got to pull the trigger. But you've seen, like, this happen all the time. Like, a guy thinks material and that he gets found. I think our friend Jordan uh, got picked. You know, not a bad spot for all. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think he's in a spot where if he can go late first round, you're usually talking teams that traditionally go deep into the playoffs, and he'll be able to learn from some experienced guys. I think that would be better for him than slipping early second round, where unless there are some trades, you're looking at teams that tend to struggle, you know, land in the lottery. And also that the contract isn't as guaranteed as that first round pick is either. So let's say, I mean, even with Matt back, um, we left 2016-17 season. Uh, one is very heavy with Anthony. You have Kevin Herter coming forward, and you got Jalen Brantley. You could have Melo Trimble too. Um, I feel like this is kind of what Turgeon has always. Like, I, I mean, he's, he's always kind of, I, I feel like he's always kind of wanted to play, you know, three, four guards uh, at times. Like yeah. it's, it's something he wants in the pit of his stomach. What do you, do you think that's a good idea? Do you think like this is, you know, we should kind of go with it. Like this is him realizing his vision or do you think this could be a little bit foolhardy? Do you think he even goes in that direction? They, you know, they got issues, uh, you know, with small forward and whatnot. So it could be a thing mm-hmm. he to do? Where, where do you stand on that? I think it, it's setting up right now is something where he may have to do. You know, they, they've got a lot on the perimeter, even if Melo doesn't come back. You know, the, you lose that that experience, but they've got a lot of pieces. You know, you mentioned Callan and Herter and Micah Thomas as well. Deion Wiley would be healthy. I think Jared Nickens is in line to kind of, you know, really step forward uh, next season. And Jalen Brantley's back as well. I think you've got more question marks uh, if this makes any sense from an experience standpoint in the backcourt, but in the frontcourt, who's going to score points for you, you know? And DeMonte Dodd is not much of a score. Neither is Michael Tchaikovsky. Um, Ivan Bender, who knows what to expect from him, you know, in terms of what his career at Maryland has been to this point. Really hasn't been able to produce a whole lot um, for them. So that's going to be a big question mark, I think, if they can find a grad transfer for the front court, a guy who can get them, you know, 10 points a game or so, I think that would be the course of action for Maryland. But 
yeah, the, given the pieces that they have, this is going to be a perimeter, you know, dominant team. You try to force some mismatches offensively and then do the best you can to cover up for them on the other end. So, Raphael, you mentioned uh, that Maryland might be looking for some grad transfers. Is there anyone specific that you had in mind? Obviously, I forget his name. There was a there was a guy from UNLV who had kind of toyed with the idea of Maryland, but you know he stepped out and he he announced he's going to return to UNLV. So, are are there any other guys that have immediate eligibility who could play like the three or the four that you could see uh, Mark Turgeon recruiting to come to Maryland? Well, that's a good question. Turns Dwayne Morgan. Um, he was going to have to sit out either way. So, you know, he wouldn't have been able to help Maryland next season. So I don't really think they missed a whole lot there. Wasn't much of a score either. So, you know, that's a good question. It seems like a lot of the grad transfers are more perimeter guys, and and the bigs have been kind of snapped up for the most part. No one really comes to mind immediately for me. But, you know, if they can find someone, you know, Ben Carter, he's already kind of limited his list. Um, so Maryland's out there. I don't think Maryland was ever in there anyway, but he was one possibility. I thought uh, Savon Goodman is now going to LaSalle. Um, he was another guy you could possibly consider, you know, being someone who kind of make that jump. So that that's a tough thing. You know, bigs don't exactly come a dime a dozen. So if you don't get those guys in early, it's going to be really tough to kind of get, get in there. Uh, to, to my mind, was Alec Peters from uh, Valparaiso saw yeah. him in the first round two years ago. Um, their coach, Brad Juru, he jumped ship to uh, to Vanderbilt, and he might be hmm. in the grad market. I don't think he's – he's. I think he's actually so – he's name. Yeah, he hasn't hired an agent, but he did enter his name there. A very skilled player, play both inside and out, so – now, he's a guy, you know, maybe you try to talk to if he returns to school. Um, and also, no, if he returns, you know, Valpo hired Bryce Drew's assistant and Matt Loddick. So there's some familiarity there. Um, Andre Washington, Wake Forest, seven-footer. I'm not too big on him. But, you know, at a certain point, you may just want to be looking, you know, to add a body, you know. And, and he really didn't do much at Wake Forest. So I don't really think you're going to be getting a whole lot there in terms of going from the ACC to the Big Ten. So, yeah, the pickings are kind of slim in terms of the front court guys right now. Any way to on the Big Ten next going to be a state show again. I know that they've got a who will be we've seen State was was feisty in last year. Maybe they could rise up to the towards the top of the conference. Um, I don't think Maryland will be that. I, I they'll probably be more middle tier. But what, what what do you think about next year's Big Ten slate? Yeah, I think Maryland's going to be a tournament team. You know how close they cut it is going to kind of depend on, on some factors in terms of players developing and also the Melo Trimble situation. But I like Michigan State at the top of the conference. Yeah, they bring in a lot of Young talent. Um, Tom Izzo is going to have that team tested early. And also Wisconsin. I know Nigel Hayes is testing the NBA draft process, but if you look at the guys who haven't decided to test, you know, guys like Vito Brown, uh, they had one of the top freshmen in the, in the conference, and Ethan Hatt, Bronson Koenig as well. Um, I think that's a team with a full season under 
Greg Gard, they obviously closed the year very well getting to the Sweet 16. I think Wisconsin's going to be right in the mix there. Purdue, if their backcourt can step forward, is another team I like. You know, even with the loss of A.J. Hammonds and Rafael Davis, I think they've got enough coming back to, to be a factor in a Big Ten race. So obviously this week we, we, the, you know, the news broke about the Big Ten Conference's uh, reported new uh, TV deal with a ton of money there. Um, so what do you think that that TV deal means for the conference? And then what do you think it means for Maryland, a relatively new member in the conference uh, specifically? Well, it's huge. And that's only half the deal, you know, to keep that in mind. So they still got the ESPN slash CBS half of their rights up for negotiation pretty soon. So, Obviously, the Big Ten's always done a really good job in terms of their revenue under Jim Delaney, so I don't think that's going to change. Um, where you see a change for Maryland and Rutgers specifically um, is that when, once they get to that full share, because I don't think there's, they're at that full share in terms of the media rights money just yet, I'm sure they're going to have some facilities in mind and also make sure you balance the books so you're turning a profit as opposed to you know, just kind of hoping to tread water, as I think both schools were in the case of doing when they arrived in the Big Ten. It was a no-brainer decision for Maryland to make that move. And I think it's already started to pay off a little bit, but once they get to that full media rights share, it's really going to pay off for them in terms of what they can do on campus and also recruiting. When you have those facilities and those, you know, the financials that you can sell to recruits, that's going to be huge for that for all the programs on campus. His name is Raphael Johnson. And Raphael, I'm understanding that you will not be writing for BSL for a little bit. You know, um, it's a long. Mm-hmm. What are you? What are you writing uh, over at NBC Sports at College Football Talk? Well, we're just doing some looking forward posts starting this week. Um, you know, discussing different conferences and some some different teams that um, you know that that could be really big next season. I don't. I don't know if we have anything specifically from Maryland besides our Big Ten looking forward, but you know that stuff will be coming out in the next three weeks or so. So hopefully everybody will check it out. All right, we'll keep an eye out on it. Uh, find him at Raphael J. Raphael, thanks for coming on with us. Much appreciated. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks so much to Raphael for joining us there like to uh you know get a you know, we're we're like in it like you i mean you're still in school uh in college park i mean obviously the the podcast bit so we're like in it it's it's nice to get self-respective removed from uh, the whole the whole scene man yeah yeah we're we're pretty involved as as fans and as alumni well i'm soon to be alumni so yeah, it's uh, it's good. It's good to hear. And obviously, um, you know, I, I still feel OK about Maryland basketball for next year. Obviously, they're not going to have the hype around them that they had this year. And it's obviously going to be a really different looking team because uh, they are going to be running some of those more four guard alignments, um, some smaller lineups, probably a faster team where kind of like North Carolina, where they, they move a lot in transition. It's going to look maybe like an, an ACC team as opposed to a Big Ten team, but I think they can still have some success. It's going to all depend on how some of these younger guys 
uh, pan out like Cohen and Hoarder. And if they can play at a level and how Wiley looks when he comes back, if they can play at a decent level, you know, like Raphael said, you know, you're looking, still looking at a tournament team. Maybe you get into the tournament, make some noise. Um, I'm looking forward to next, next basketball season for sure. Yeah. I don't think, I feel like a lot of people just, you know, glancing casually, people just, just, you know, spouting off about next, next year's team and, um, not a whole lot of hope, I think, uh, you know, if, with the fan base at large. But if, if you're kind of in that camp, I, I would point to, you know, the two first two seasons with, um, you know, like Nick Faust and, and Sarah, maybe not, uh, you know, Seth and, you know, Chuck Mitchell and Jake Lehman, uh, all those guys, their freshman and sophomore year. And think about how close Maryland was to getting the tournament. Like, if it would have just to those years, at least the problem. They would have just won one big game, maybe like or probably two of them, uh, and they lost a lot of a lot of close games. You know, they, they just get a hump a little bit, and those teams would have been dancing. They weren't very good, so you know, your this next year's team will be more talented. And I, you know, it's it's not that hard to make the tournament. Like sixty-eight teams make. There's a lot of garbage squads that that uh, you know cut. You know they. They're gonna certainly have to, uh, you know, win some games on, on the road. maybe just just one, you know, decent win. But uh, it's certainly cool, and uh, I'm, not, I'm not totally hopeless with it either. I think that's that's a little bit silly to be so negative about it, especially because I feel like people are being negative are like, oh my god, this team sucks. We didn't hold up the top five ranking. On let's let's just cool it, everyone. Yeah, I mean, the next year's team's going to have talent. And I think the, the great part about uh, the Maryland basketball program right now, and you mentioned some of those first years um, when they were losing a lot of close games. Um, well, I think this program, you know, they know how to win the big games now. And that's, that's not an underrated uh, characteristic for programs. I think you see a lot of times programs have a ton of talent, but they don't necessarily know how to win the game, win the big games. I think Mark Turgeon and I think the, the attitude around this program right now, they know how to pull out wins, you know, in big games. You know, you saw it last year. It's all started um, with that Georgetown game. And obviously Georgetown, not the most talented team, but that was a big game. You know, it was hyped up yeah. all year. Um, you know, I slept out on the, on the porch of Xfinity Center. Like, it's a big game. Um, and they were, they were down early and they came back and, you know, the crowd was into it. And I think that started, um, kind of this attitude towards, we know how to win big games now. And now that they have that, it, it can, it can, it, it gets into the heads of the, some of the younger players and it, it kind of comforts them knowing, Hey, we, we got this, even though we're, we may be down, you know, 10 points late in the game. So let me get this straight. You were so before the Georgetown game, you slept overnight to secure your spot. You were a resident. What are you doing there with the comps, man? You could tell your story. You know, I, I had was it like never, a charity thing? Like I'm amongst people. <laughs> you know, I had never done the sleep outside Xfinity thing. Um, I never had friends who really were that into it, so I was never able to do it. So this year. You know, uh, with all the great people I met through through the Pride, 
we were like, let's, let's do it. Let's sleep out. And, you know, it was only like 40 degrees. It's not like it was, it was anything crazy, but we were like, let's, let's right. sleep outside. Let's do it. And there's always a group that that's out there. Um, they tend to hang out in the parking garage, but we said, you know what? Screw it. This is a big game. This is a w- big way to start the season. So yeah, I slept outside, right outside the, of Xfinity. And it was, it was a good night. It didn't get super cold. We had, we had some good food, um, some good drink, and uh, don't tell anybody about that. But uh, it was it was good, and I was out there all day too. I skipped all my classes. I, I hung out outside. It was it was a it was a great day. That's that's one of my. It's probably my favorite Maryland sports memory now, and I'm so glad I did it the way I did it. So it was it was awesome. What was the what was like the sleeping setup? Did you guys did you just have a did you take an air mattress out there or something? Was it just straight up back on concrete? It was it was a little bit different for everybody. Some people were more prepared than others. Um, I was not so prepared. Uh, we did we did have a guy who brought like a a, a thin uh, thin mattress, um, so he was he was in good shape. I just I just wrapped myself in some blankets and I put on layers. Um, and somehow my back is still is still okay because it it was straight up. <laughs> back on concrete. Uh, but I think that added to the experience, you know, the two hours of sleep I got out there. So yeah, yeah, it was a, it was quite a night. Right on. Always gotta, always gotta have one of those pure college sporting experiences. That sounds, uh, I mean, that, that, that was some night that Georgetown night SVP there sports center on the core. I mean, I watched it from home, so I can only imagine what it was like being there, but, uh, pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, and I Let's, was on the court for SVP as well. I was one of those few lucky oh, awesome. people that got got on the court. I, I'm in, I'm in the shot. I'm in the shot. If you if you look at the shot, I'm in the corner of the shot, which is which is pretty cool to look back at. Mm, I'll check it out. Why don't we? So let's let's wind down the pod here with a little more football talk. Um, let's switch to actual things that haven't happened yet but guys that are you know currently on the roster and such um let's talk about the defense we talked about the offense last week as it pertains to the spring game you were there you wrote up a nice little post for uh, for bsl and what you mentioned last week was we didn't really see a whole lot from the defense they played a lot of nickel because you know they were matching up with the offense but um something tells me they are not going to line up in the nickel all the time um, and from my perspective, there, this, the def- I think the offense is going to be better than the defense this year. A uh, lot of holes to fill in the defense, a lot of opportunity for, for young guys to play. Um, what, what do you, what are you thinking with, with that side of the ball? Um, what are you thinking with the, you explained last week, he, um, what's his name? Andy Buh runs kind of a hybrid three, four, four, three, um, just, just, just wash us over with some general deep, uh talk, Zach. Yeah. So as far as scheme goes, it is kind of a multiple. It's based around like a four-three under. Um, for for football nerds who know what a four-three under is, um, you know, mm-hmm. you do have a nose, you do have a nose tackle um, on the defensive line that lines up. It's kind of like a three-four with a defensive end that that has his hand in the ground. So. The interesting thing about about and this is really Durkin's defense. He does hire guys to run it, um, but it's really Durkin's defense that he had at Florida, he had at Michigan, and now he has here. Um, and it's it's similar to uh, Will Muschamp's defense 
uh, the, the famous Mil- Will, Will Muschamp's defense that he ran at Florida, and now he's going to run at South Carolina. So it's, it's a hybrid. It's based around a 4-3 under, and the difference between this offense is that you're going to have the weak side defensive end who lines up on the weak side of the formation. Uh, it's called the buck. And what he does is he, he can line up with his hand in the ground. He can stand up as an outside linebacker. They can even move him inside to, to pass rush. He's basically just a pure pass rusher that can move anywhere around the formation. And then the defensive line pretty much stays intact no matter where he is. So it gives him a ton of versatility. Um, and like you mentioned, we did see a lot of nickel last week from the defense. So that's five defensive backs. They had two linebackers on the field. What's interesting about that is, um, you know, in years past with Maryland's defense, Maryland's defense last year was a 4-3 under as well. Um, they moved to that under Keith Budzinski. And they, when three wide receivers lined up for the opposing offense, uh, the, the defense would not go with a nickel. Um, and that's kind of a, a fluctuating opinion in football right now is, when the opposing offense goes to a three wide receiver set, do you allow one of your linebackers to cover that slot receiver or do you bring a DB in? And it kind of depends on your personnel. It looks like this year, DJ Durkin is going to go with the extra defensive back when the opposing offense lines up in three wide receiver formations. And in the, the years of the now that we're living in of the spread offense, this is kind of going to be Maryland's base, defense against a lot of teams um obviously when they play michigan or michigan state who run the pro style systems uh when they bring the fullbacks onto the field you're going to see three linebackers but nickel formations are becoming more and more standard the problem for maryland this year is going to be that they don't have a lot of defensive back depth so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see who steps up as far as the nickel corner goes i think uh, one of the things that we saw, obviously, we didn't see Will Likely in the spring game. So we saw Alvin Hill and Darnell Savage lining up as the starting corners. Savage is, is a younger guy. Hill, has, Hill is, has been a big contributor to the last few years. He's a very talented guy. Um, so you're going to see Likely and Hill line up on the outside. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a work in progress as far as the, the nickel corner goes because in the spring game, we saw Rayvon Davis, um, who doesn't even have a bio yet on, on, the, on the Maryland website. He's so new. Um, <laughs> and you saw Tene Samudo uh, backing him up, and I, I don't even know who that guy is. So there's a lot of depth issues for the defensive backs. You may see maybe a guy like Jarrett Ross, who's played some corner and some safety this spring. He may, he may have to move down and play that, that nickel corner spot. But I think as a whole – the defense is going to be in decent shape, especially among the front seven. Jermaine Carter Jr. is the biggest guy to watch. He's the starting inside linebacker, and it's amazing to me that he's only a junior um, and that Maryland may get a fourth year out of him next year. Um, but this year, he's a tackling machine. He moves sideline to sideline. He's, he's going to be one of the best inside linebackers in the Big Ten this year. Um, he consistently leads the team in tackles. He's, he's kind of a, a more athletic um, version of Cole Ferrand, just that big inside linebacker who is as sure a tackler as there is on the team. Um, and to wrap it up with the – and obviously last week we talked a little bit about the fact that Shane Cockerell was starting at linebacker. 
Um, that probably has to do with the fact that, as I learned um, after our podcast last week, Abner Logan, um, who's an expected starter, was injured for the game. So um, I would oh, assume okay. Shane Cockerell. Shane Cockerell will be kind of a, a second string guy. To wrap it up with the defensive line, um, we saw Roman Braglio was the star of the spring game. He had six tackles, four sacks. Um, so he had a big game. That's going to be big for him. He'll line up at strong side defensive end. Weak side, which is the box position that I just talked about, will, Je- will be Jesse Anabonham. He'll have a chance to show his pure pass rushing um, abilities. And then the interior of the defensive line was interesting to see. We didn't see a whole lot of the guys that you'd expect to be starters. Like, well, David Shaw was injured, but, but you didn't see Azubike Ukandu. You didn't see Kingsley Opara. And you didn't see a whole lot of Adam McLean. Um, instead, Durkin had Kieran Howard and Brett Kalka starting with the first team, and Osa Sain and Savon Walker with the second team. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the, the interior defensive line positions pan out. It is pretty open, but I would expect you see some combination of McLean, Shaw, Ukandu, and Opara starting in that interior defense, defensive line position. So that's your, your overview of the defense from what we saw in the spring game. There's a lot going on there but I think the defense uh, will be in decent shape next year and obviously they won the spring game uh, 51 to 35 I'm glad you just successfully railroaded my pessimism there that was that was nicely done uh, interesting your, your note on the defensive line and not really seeing um, guys like Opera or McLean that's Maybe it's, you know, Durkin's, and this happens with a lot of new coaches, but being like, hey, like, your job isn't safe. Like, we're we're starting from scratch. Um, so maybe that's why he was favoring some younger guys on the defensive line uh, in the spring game with the first and second units. Um, yeah, we, we also saw Anna Bonham starting with the second team and Melvin Kine starting with the first team. So mm. I don't know if there's a motivation factor there or what. Anna Bonham's going to start. Um, you don't need to worry about that. But, you know, that was an un- another interesting interesting note there. And Kingsley Opera, if you remember, a uh, highly rated defensive lineman that uh, Randy Etzel recruited, still uh, still around. Yep. And, I guess, and out and, of uh, Florida. Out of uh, Florida. Yes. Yeah, Jacksonville, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, probably, you're definitely right here. I just... Wanted to bring these this up a, a little bit. We can segue, but just guys who freshmen who you might see on the field. Adam McLean is uh, certainly at the top of that list. He, if you listeners remember, he, he was committed to Penn State. He was like making a lot of noise about you know James James Franklin recruiting the DMV, and then he dramatically switches to Maryland, uh, and then ends up. I, I think he was having academic issues or something, so he doesn't play last year. He's not. He wasn't enrolled or anything. And I think he enrolled in the winter or the, the spring semester and uh, yes, stuck with Maryland. And I'm sure we'll be, we'll be seeing him out there. I think he was hurt too for his like actual senior season. So it's been a bit of a bumpy ride for him getting to college park. Yeah. But word is he's been impressive in camp. So it looks like he's put those injury issues behind him. And I think he's got his academics shored up as well. He's a really good kid, really nice mm-hmm. kid. I've met him a few times and he's, He's really uh, one of the one of the players that you're going to be looking for on the defensive line. I've actually projected him to start um, in my projected depth chart that I have up at up at up at BSL. 
Um, you know, he's got a ton of talent, obviously four-star guy, and he was out of Quince Orchard in Gaithersburg. And it's always good to see guys who, who uh, commit to Penn State and then drop. Um, and now they're, they're bad-talking James Franklin. Uh, you always want those guys on your team. Everyone's bad talking James Franklin these days. I love it. It's fantastic. It's great. All the all the uh, Christian Hackenberg and the draft stuff. That's just been a a joyous soap opera for me. I love every second of that. All the daggers they're throwing at each other. Um, another freshman I'll throw out there. Not defensive, uh, but an, an offensive guy you might see. Jake Funk. He was an All Met player, a three star recruit. But uh, I feel like you might he might take his way in there as the the third back, um, maybe even the second if presses enough. I feel like uh, Ty Johnson probably is, is going to be your you know, your number one guy. Um, you've got the Virginia Tech transfer, and then you've also got uh, Wes Brown back in the mix. But uh, a lot of people seem to uh, seem to like Funk, and you know maybe he'll maybe he'll crack that top top two if he uh, really gets things going. It's also a perfect last name to use for slogans and T-shirts, so that'll that'll be that'll be very fun. Um, uh, you have to do that on the download though, because of the NCAA. But but Funk is definitely a guy. He's got glowing reports out of camp. Um, it's going to be tough sledding as far as running backs getting carries this year. But Funk's absolutely going to be in the rotation, and we'll see we'll see what happens as the year goes by. He's a physical kid who's also got some speed. We didn't see a whole lot of him in the spring game. He wasn't super impressive, but um, he's a guy who's definitely going to be in the mix this year. Another guy I think will be in the mix. This is my sleeper baseless selection here, so don't kill me if it doesn't come true. But um, just in terms of freshmen, we might see, I think, Elijah Daniels from Florida. Uh, safety, Durkin signed him, uh, I think, I think in March even, he after signing day. Um, you know, as we just discussed, uh, things are kind of thin at DB. So, you know, if he's playing hard in, in some camp and, you know, I, well, I'm sure we'll see him in spots, uh, especially against like Howard or something at the, the beginning of the year. But, uh, you know, as, as things go along, if he plays well, he's certainly a guy who could see more and more snaps as the year goes on. Yeah, absolutely. And then so if you're looking at the safety position, you got Josh Woods at free safety and Denzel Conyers at strong safety. It seems like they've pretty much locked up the starting job. But mm-hmm. the backup jobs are kind of up for grabs. Uh, we saw Jarrett Ross, who moved, who's been moving from corner to safety. He probably ends up at nickel corner. Um, so there's a spot there, backup free safety. And the second team strong safety during the spring game was a guy named Luke Cheswick. And I mentioned this last week. He's not even on the roster. So Daniels has definitely got an opportunity there. And so my guy that, that I'm looking at as far as freshmen go, and this isn't, this isn't a sleeper pick. This is pretty much guaranteed. Um, Tino Ellis, uh, the wide receiver out of DeMatha, he's a, he's a 2016 recruit. He'll be enrolling in the fall. Um, he'll be in, involved in summer practices. And I think he can play a similar role to kind of how what DJ Moore played last year as a true freshman. Moore obviously took over the starting job towards the end of the year. Moore is projected to be the starting split end, which is kind of the, the, your true deep threat receiver um, on the field. But I think Ellis ends up being the second string there and gets, gets some good playing time. He's very similar to, to DJ Moore. Um, very talented. He's got some speed, good hands, um, and he's got good size. So I think he's a guy who could really end up 
pressing more for playing time, and maybe you see them split time at that split end position um, once the year ends. Yeah, he was definitely someone who popped out of me when I was looking at the uh, the list of freshmen, but I I was like that you know that the wide receiver position a little bit crowded because you got DJ Moore who definitely the favorite is the the split end guy, but then you've got both the, uh, the Jacobs brothers who. You know, Laverne had a nice spring game. Uh, Tavon Jacobs is, you know, we've I, I think we're probably waiting to see a little bit more from him, but you know, he's he's certainly talented. So, but you you think he's gonna be able to make a name up there and kind of take some notice away from these guys? Yeah, I think there's a there's some openings there at the split end position. Um, obviously, Durkin's going to be using three receivers almost exclusively, um, and if he doesn't use three, it'll be four. Um, so I think there's opportunities uh, you got at the slot position. Obviously you mentioned Lever and Jacobs, and then you got Deandre lane and Jarvis Davenport, two really talented younger yep. guys who are there as well. And then at the flanker position behind Tavon Jacobs, you got Malcolm Comer, who was really impressive in the spring game. So there's a ton of talent at this receivers position. And I think you're going to see that guys like Moore and the Jacobs brothers are going to be able to rest a little more and you're going to be able to keep them fresh with some of these other talented guys in the second and even the third team. All right. Well, that's kind of all I've got uh, as far as Terps talk goes. Um, anything else you want to add in terms of uh, football or I guess just anything in where we're down to the felt here. I don't, I don't think I, I have anything else. Um, join us next week. We'll, we'll keep talking football, keep talking men's basketball um, and we'll, we'll even sprinkle in some, some non-revenue sports like we did at the beginning of today's show because it's looking up for Maryland as far as uh, some of the non-revenues go. And we'll see how the men's lacrosse team got, does tonight against Ohio State. Hopefully they can pull out that win and keep soaring up the Big Ten standings. I know we're going to lose our live stream here in, in a second, but I, I do want to close with this because I'm trying to get to – we're, we're getting to know each other as we – continue on with uh with talking terps and doing this and so i I gotta know zach are you gonna be watching game of thrones at nine o'clock tonight you know i you know there's there's so many great tv shows out there that's one of the ones i haven't been able to get into yet it'll happen Mm. eventually it'll happen eventually but right now no not not yet but you know what this summer that may be the the show i hook on to and and I have some fun with that. I, I hear it's wonderful. All right. Well, I will be uh, watching it. We'll have to have uh, Chris Stoner on to, to talk in. If you, if you do want to talk about it, I will be in the BSL Game of Thrones thread tomorrow morning um, chatting it up. So check us out over there. Um, as Zach said, we'll be back next. We'll record again on Sunday night, most likely, ready for your morning commute. Um, you should sub- definitely subscribe on iTunes, um, tell a friend, trying to get us on Google Play as well. Um, and I think uh, I think that'll do it for us tonight. So we'll be back next week. For my co-host, Zach Easel, I am C.T. Schwink. That was Talking Terps. Welcome in to Talking Terps, a show which covers University of Maryland basketball and football. Talking Terps is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Terrapins.
The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations on the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter.